0: In those days, Caesar's Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman... Would everybody stand up daniel's going to read out of the bible this morning for us as we begin in those days caesar augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire roman world this was the first census that took place while quirinius was the governor of syria a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a major because there was no guest room available for them. Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: Living <laughs> to babe on bended knee the savior of humanity unto us a child is born Father, we are on our knees with every... begin
2: How many of you are going through kind of a difficult time? Hi, sweetheart, right there. How many of you are going through kind of a difficult time in this holiday season because of loss, suffering, struggling? You need Jesus. Amen. Amen? How many of you are struggling with just life, just getting through? You need Jesus. Let's have some background music playing for a little bit. Let's dismiss the kids. Just stay standing, please. Dismiss the kids. Go to Sunday school. Have a great time, guys. A lot of kids today, amen? Amen. Good thing I got a three-hour sermon. <laughs> You're laughing now, but you wait till we're done. There's no more power on this earth than the name of Jesus. He can change your marriage. He can change your heart. He can change your home. He can change your head. We need Jesus today. How many of you needed him to forgive you of your sin this week? So you experienced Jesus this week. His grace, his love, his mercy. Let's take just a couple of moments and bow our heads, close our eyes and just just talk to him. Thank him for this week. You can thank him out loud if you want. You can thank him quietly, whatever you want to do. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, church. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us so much. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for caring for us. Thank you
0: for everything, Jesus.
2: Thank you, Jesus. It's at your name that my sins were forgiven. It's at your name that I have a home in heaven. It's at your name that my marriage is what it is. It's at your name that I have the life that I have. The future that I have. We love you, Jesus. love you, Jesus. Jesus, we pray And all God's people said. Y'all may be seated. We've got 400 announcements to make. Um, I want to thank those of you who came and decorated on Thursday night. Uh, that was the best um, turnout we've had, and we had a good time. Uh, next year, we're going to double it, because we're going to put more up. So, um, this, uh, uh, right at, immediately after service, well, a few minutes after service, if you're interested in new life, if you tithe, if you, if you serve, if you're a part of what we're doing, hang around, we're going to have a, a, our annual business meeting where we talk about the budget. It's going to be very short. Um, if you've had church meetings where there's disagreement that won't happen here, I I, I, pastor 25 years. I've never had a fight in a church business meeting, but no one's tried to fire me yet either. So if that happens today, there might be something different, but I don't think that's going to happen yet. Um, so that's immediately after the service. Um, this Wednesday I'm starting a series, uh, for couples or singles who want to be a couple. Like if you're single and you're someday going to get married, you need to to get this teaching. Um, I do have to apologize to you. We did not get enough nursery volunteers or children's ministry volunteers. So um, if you want to come and you have no place to put your kids, get a hold of me and I'll I'll find something. I'll teach and have your kids on the platform with me while that happens. I believe this... This lesson, this series of lessons, it's only three weeks long, talks about three spirits that are in our home, and they're in your home right now. And you don't even know it's there. You just think that this is something you've been fighting your whole life. These are three spirits we're going to talk about and how to rid your home of two of them. We want to keep the one where the Spirit of God rules. Amen? So if you... uh, need childcare? you have nobody to watch your kids, just let me know. I'll, I'll, I'll find a way because I believe it's this important. I believe it's so important. I put it in the busiest month of your lives, which is December. <laughs> Cause I think if you don't get this, you're going to start your year off all screwed up. And I don't want to do that. So this, um, Wednesday, six o'clock. Uh, I'm doing a 6am for guys who want to come 6am. If, if guys, if, your wife n- needs to come because you, you've got the teaching. If your wife needs to come, you come at 6 a.m., send them at 6 at night, and you watch your kids. They're your kids. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, first Thursday Thursday night, December 7th. Um, if you want to get to know the church family, that's the best way to do it. Uh, we have potluck, and we have communion. And we're going to do some worship. And then I've got a, a message that I'm going to preach that's going to help you start off your year um, right. There's some things we're going to leave behind, and there's some things we're going to take forward with us. Amen. So that's Thursday night, six o'clock. You say Wednesday night and Thursday night? So much the more as you see the day approaching. Amen. So just throwing that out there. And then my beautiful wife gets to explain her.
0: So our women's white elephant ornament gift exchange is Friday, December 15th at 6 o'clock here at the church. So I hope that all of you will come and bring a friend or two or however many you want to bring. It'll be a fun night. Make sure you bring an ornament of your choice. It can be beautiful. It can be ugly. It can be funny. It can be whatever you want. It's a white elephant exchange. So that will be fun. Also bring a dessert. And if you have diet restrictions, then just bring something that you can eat, a finger food of some kind. Um, The sign-up sheet is right outside the doors here. So I hope all of you will get signed up. It'll be fun.
2: Christmas Eve service is Sunday at 10 a.m. We normally do a Christmas Eve, like a night service, but um, I'm really into dads leading their homes right now. And so I wanna give you guys the opportunity to lead your homes on, on Christmas Eve night to read the Christmas story. That was one of the most impactful um, from a father, from a child learning from his father standpoint, watching my dad read the Christmas story every year was an amazing experience. He would not let anybody else read the Christmas story. He was the head of the house and he was gonna lead the family spiritually. And so I I just wanna encourage that. Next year we'll probably do a Christmas Eve service, but we have one in the morning. Bring your family and friends. If they're gonna want to be in a Christmas service, that's the one to be in. Um, so that's uh, Sunday at 10 a.m., and then at night, I'm going to encourage you dads, and, and if there is no dad in the home, I'm going to encourage you moms, you you lead that. Your kids need to see leadership, spiritual leadership in the home. Amen? Amen. And then December 31st, uh, it's a Sunday, and we're going to have a Sunday morning service on the 31st, but we're going to have a Sunday night service, that's our vision night. And so some of you haven't been in a Sunday morning and a Sunday night since you were little kids and you fought your parents then and you'll fight your pastor now, but that's okay. I'll fight back because I believe this is this is an important night for us to be together. Uh, I keep getting asked, are we gonna stay up all night? I am 60 years old. I'm not staying up till 10 o'clock. So, cause I know the next day's coming unless the Lord tarries and then I'm gonna be gone anyway, so it won't matter, right? But uh, that'll be, uh, uh December 31st. And then I think it's January 23rd is our starting of our uh, discipleship program, our Rooted Experience. It's the 23rd, right? Yes. Okay, perfect. Uh, on the 23rd. So if you have never taken any discipleship co- classes or you want to know what our first step is as a church, we want you to trust Christ as your Savior. Your second step is to get baptized. Your third step is to start to read your Bible and, and attend church. Your your Whatever the next step is, I can't remember my numbers. Uh, whatever your next step is, uh, it's uh, rooted. And it will be a t- it's a 10-week class. It will encourage you uh, to get to know other people in the church. It will help you to get to know the God of the heavens. Uh, and then we've got more coming. We'll talk about that on Vision Night. I'm not going to share any more than that. But um, that's enough announcements. Or do you got, Oh, I do want to say something. Um, before I start, you need to pray for my wife. Oh, no. <laughs> she had to put up with me all week. As I get ready to preach this sermon today, this is probably the heaviest sermon, weightiest sermon I feel like I've ever felt. And she's had to put up with my grumpiness all week long. So you need to understand when it comes to pastors and pastors' wives is they've got to put up with our garbage. You get to see smiling me on Sunday morning. She's got to put up with crabby me on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Saturday night. Sunday morning, <laughs> but she's a very gracious woman. So please be praying for her. So anyway, thank you, Deborah. Yes. Well, you can give her a hand. She's <laughs> she's the best pastor's wife I know. <laughs> then I look at the other pastors' wives, and they're looking at me like, "Hey, what about me? You guys are awesome too." Turn with me, if you would, if you can find it. In the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Habakkuk is an Old Testament prophet who has two complaints that he's praying about and then a response. It's three chapters long. So it's not a hard book to to read. But Habakkuk chapter 1 in verse 2 Habakkuk's complaint to God is O oh Lord how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear Have you ever done that called upon God and he doesn't respond It's frustrating isn't it Or cry to you violence and you will not save Why do you make me see iniquity Why do you make me see iniquity? Why do you make me turn on the television and see so much wickedness in the world? Why do you make me see so much ugliness in families? So much hatred, so much violence. Why do you idly look at wrong? You ever wonder why God doesn't deal with wrong? that's been committed against you. Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. Look among you, O nations, and see and wonder and be astounded. But God says, but I'm doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. Why are things so bad? Because I'm gonna do something that is gonna shock you. Habakkuk chapter three in verse two. Habakkuk says, "O oh Lord, I've heard the report of you. And your work, O Lord, do I fear. I've heard what you've done, and I'm afraid. In the midst of your years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. In wrath, remember mercy. Why do you make me see so much iniquity? And then I read your word and I find out that you can be a just and righteous God. But the wrath of God is a horrendous thing. You make me see it. And then it makes me stop and say, please, God, in wrath, remember mercy. I appreciate you all being here today because I was wondering if anybody was going to show up. And you think I'm kidding when I say that, but that's an honest statement. Not that I don't trust you, it's just that sometimes God gives a pastor a word that he kind of wishes it was just him and nobody else in the room. And what we're gonna share today is the heaviest, most difficult sermon that I've ever preached. And I'm just basically reading the scripture. But it scares me. It's troubled me all week. I I almost thought about throwing in something about joy, joy, happy, happy, something. (laughs) Because I was depressing myself while I was going through my own notes. Because what we're going to read today is going to happen. It's going to happen. It's not a question of maybe it will. It's going to happen. So we're going to read what the scripture says about what God's going to do in the seven and a half years of tribulation. That he's going to bring upon the earth at the end of the age. And it's heavy. Maybe it won't be for you, but it was for me. Because when God brings justice on the earth, it's not going to be an enjoyable moment. We talked about it last week, how those of us who are Christians are saved from the wrath to come. Amen? And so that means he's going to come in the air, Jesus is going to come in the air, and we're going to be raptured, and the dead in Christ are going to rise first, and then we who are alive and remain shall go to be with the Lord, and so shall we ever be with the Lord, so wherever Jesus is, we're always going to be with Him, and we're going to go. And there's going to be this judgment seat of Christ where we're rewarded for the things that we've done on this earth, and and some of us will suffer loss because we haven't done what we should do. But some of us are going to get great reward, and it's going to be awesome. And then there's the marriage supper of the Lamb, where we're going to party with Jesus, Amen. and He knows how to make wine in, out of water, so we're just going to have a blast. Amen. Amen. All you ultra-conservatives, now you're just going to have to get used to it. That's the way it's going to be. I think ultra-conservatives are going to hate heaven. Charismatics (laughs) charismatics are going to wonder. But us in the middle are going to have a great time. (laughs) Can we pray? And if you want, you can come up and pray with me. Father, I don't know about the people in this room, but I have been under attack all week long. Seeing what you're saying in your scripture, what's going to happen, what's going to come to pass, has made me look at myself and ask myself, am I doing enough to warn people about what's to come? Am I serious enough about my faith that I realize that what you say is going to happen is going to happen, and it's true. And our only way out is Jesus Christ. And this world still needs to know Jesus, Father. We still have time to share the good news that Jesus Christ paid for our sins and will save us from the wrath to come. Not by our works of righteousness, which we have done, but by his work. His crucifixion on the cross, his payment for our sins. So Father, make today palatable for people. I, I don't know what else to say. Help me, please. Forgive me of my sin. My flesh wants these people to like me. My spirit says that these people need to know Jesus. Jesus. Help us, please. In Jesus we pray. In all God's people's head. Thank you, guys. Don't forget mercy. As a young man hopped up on the Holy Ghost and the Word of God would have come out and just blasted y'all. People would have been saying, Amen! Preach it, brother! <laughs> Some of you haven't been in a conservative Baptist Church in a long time. It would have been a whole no holds barred message of fire and brimstone. Jesus one day went into a, a village of Samaria and he's going to share the gospel with them and they rejected him. The Samaritans rejected the gospel. And James and John saw it and they said, Do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. Jesus doesn't view this the way that we view it. I think sometimes we view it as let's just burn it to the ground. He's looking at it as I've got a people to save. Immature Christians, immature pastors want to just blast people. I want, you to, I want to warn you that what is about to happen is going to happen. We are currently living in the church age, the age of grace. It is the easiest time to become a Christian because you trust Christ as your Savior, call upon him, receive him by faith. The Holy Spirit will come inside of you, cleanse you of your sin, transform you, change you. Therefore, any man, who, who, therefore any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, behold, all things become new. Your life will change. No pain, no difficulty, no hardship. Nobody in America is really going to persecute you for your faith they might think you're crazy but I'm sure there's other things you've done that made people think that you're crazy amen but this age of grace is getting almost to the end where Jesus is going to come back in the air I said it earlier those who are are dead in Christ are going to rise and go to be with him. We who are alive and remain shall go up to be with Jesus in the air. That's the first part of the second coming. It's not the second coming. It's the first part. When that happens, all Christians will be removed from the earth. The spirit of God that indwells us will go with us so men on the earth won't be influenced by the Holy Spirit. There will be war that's going to happen between towards Israel a man by the name of Antichrist is going to come and he's going to bring peace to the earth I got ahead of myself now I got to find my way back See, I'm going to leave a lot out today because there's a lot of things that are mentioned in the end times that really have to do with Israel and not with us. And I don't think there's any Jews in the room today. There's a lot of Gentiles, a lot of Astorians, a lot of Lewis and Clarkians, some Napagans. So I want to deal with what's going to be important for us. Not that the Jews aren't important because they've got their own thing to go through. See, what's necessary for me today is that you get clarity. And I think if we include all the things that have to do with the Jews and the Gentiles, we get confusion. And that's what a lot of end time teaching is. It's confusion. And again, my premise is in this series is if you know what the future holds, it should change the way you live right now. If you know what I'm going to talk about today is going to happen and you you know, for sure, because the scripture teaches it, it should change the way you live right now. No more playing games as a Christian where you just attend church once in a while and you do your own thing and you live for yourself. If you know this is going to happen, this should change your home. It should change your heart. It should change what you put your hands to. What should be more important to you than anything else is the gospel of Jesus Christ and not the work of your hands. But once those who have been restrained from sin by the indwelling presence of God will be gone, they'll be filled. I'm sorry leaving the world filled with men and women who will do what is right in their own eyes. They won't have the Spirit of God to guide them. But there will begin to be a few who will start trusting Christ as their Savior. Somebody who's been in church, who heard this message, and didn't trust Christ as their Savior, you're going to enter into this season where we're going to be gone. You're going to come to church. It's all yours. Because I'm going to be gone. You can preach whatever you want. Because I'm going to be gone. But you'll come... And you'll see that Christians are gone. Maybe you're married to a Christian and you're not a Christian. Suddenly your spouse is going to be gone. And you're going to be like all alone wondering where they went. And you maybe, hopefully, will remember that we talked about Jesus. And you'll call upon Jesus to save you from your sins. And you'll be born again. But you'll have to go through the tribulation period. You won't get to be at the judgment seat of Christ. You don't get to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. You're going to have to go through seven years of tribulation, three and a half just tribulation, just regular random tribulation, and then great tribulation. Now, when God says the tribulation's great, when a great God says this tribulation is great, it is great, not great good. Like the worst it could ever be. So we talked about the four seal judgments two weeks ago, and we're going to go over the first four very quickly. The Antichrist is going to come on the scene and and make a treaty with Israel. Some say it's seven years long. I, I don't know. I don't think it matters how long the treaty. He's going to break it anyway, so he's going to make it a, a treaty with Israel, and that's Revelation chapter 6, verse 1. He's going to bring the world again, together under the guise of peace. This is a guy that you would vote for as president. If you're... A conservative, you're going to think he's the most conservative guy ever. If he's a liberal, you're going to think he's the most liberal guy ever. And whatever brand you ascribe to, you're going to say, this is the guy. This is my guy. He's going to be that slick. And he's going to make a deal with Israel. It's going to bring peace, at least towards Israel, for a season. Because that peace won't last long because the next seal, the scripture says, is going to be opened. And it's going to bring war. Revelation 6, 3 says, now he opened the second seal and I heard the second living creature say, come. And out came another horse, bright red, and its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth so that people shall slay one another. And he was given a great sword. We watch school shootings happen in our country and we think that's a horrible thing and it is a horrible thing, but it's going to happen so common at this day and age. You'll be amazed at how people will kill each other and what they'll kill each other for. Because they won't have the Holy Spirit to restrain them. War. Nations will be at war. Families will be at war. Life, bosses will be at war with their employees. Whatever. There's going to be war. Wherever there's war, there's famine. So the next reveal, seal reveals famine. Whenever there's war, there's famine. But this famine will only impact the poor people. It won't impact the rich. Doesn't it bother you when rich people don't pay taxes? And you're paying their taxes and you make next to nothing comparably. Okay. I'm the only one that has a problem. (laughs) They're not going to have a problem. You're going to work all day to be able to provide for one meal for your family that day. And you're not going to be able to take a day off because if you take a day off, no one in the family is going to eat that next day. Wherever there's war, there's always famine. In the following judgment, number four, in this seven-year period that starts with the first three and a half, number four, death in its shadow, shadow hell will show up. I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come, and I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and its rider's name was Death, and Hades followed him. And they were given authority over a fourth of the earth that killed with a sword and with famine and with pestilence and with wild beasts of the earth. It is approximated that one quarter of the earth, approximately 1.8 billion people will die when this judgment happens. 1.8 billion people will die. I can't remember the number of people who died when COVID happened, but we freaked out. Imagine one quarter of the earth dying. Most will be unsaved because they've rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ. But many will be saved because the Bible also teaches there will be 144,000 male Jewish virgins who will share the gospel of Jesus Christ with this world. So people will be getting saved as these 144,000 Jews that God has sealed share the gospel. I tell you, they're male, Jewish, and virgins. So if some female Jehovah's Witness comes up to you and says that I'm part of the 144,000, can't be. It's Revelation chapter 7 and Revelation chapter 14. They're male. They've never been with women. They're Jewish. They're of the tribe of, of, of Israel, tribes of Israel. And they're virgins because they've never been with women. So they're men who've never been with women. Deep. This means they're strong, connected by birth to the Savior, and separated by sin and self so that they can share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they'll share gospel the gospel of Christ throughout the world. And then the fifth seal reveals something about the earth at this time. Fifth seal is going to be open. We haven't talked about this. It's a statement from the post-rapture martyrs. So it's people who have come to know Christ as their Savior, post-rapture, during that three and a half period, they're going to have, make this statement. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar of souls of those who have been slain for the word of God and for the witness that they had borne. Because remember, Christians, we're raptured out of here. We're, we're gone. So it's not pre-wrath Christians. It's post-wrath believers. And they'll say, oh, sovereign Lord, holy and true. How long will you, before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And they were each given a white robe and told the to rest a little longer. And the number of the fellow servants and their brothers should be complete. Who were killed as they themselves had been. So, people who come to know Christ as their Savior during the seven year season will be murdered and martyred by others for believing in Christ. So, it won't be like you get saved and you change your life and you stop going to bars and your friends give you a hard time because you stop going to a bar. I'm being persecuted. No, they're literally going to kill you because you claim Jesus Christ is your Savior. Are you okay? That's the fifth seal. Here's the sixth seal. This is in the first three and a half years. This is just in the tribulation period. Sixth seal results in the first earth being forever changed. When he opened the sixth seal, I looked and behold, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth and the full moon was like blood and the stars of the sky fell to the earth and the fig tree, as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit being shaken by a gale. The earth is going to become increasingly unstable and untrustworthy. Non-believers believe that the earth is headed to a dangerous time because of global warming. Global warming was God's plan for judgment on the earth. You can say there's no such thing as global warming. You haven't lived in Astoria very long because it used to actually rain here all the time like this. You guys do remember the last couple weeks where the sun actually was out in November. I don't remember that when I was a kid for the first 20 years of my life. It was raining the whole time. Sun came out in July. You made hay in July and then you stopped making hay in the middle of August because that was done. You got a month and a half. My dad used to say, make hay while the sun's shining. Well, that was a month and a half. That's all you had. Now it rains a couple of days, and you're like, oh, it rains all the time around here. (laughs) This will be approximately three and a half years into the tribulation period. Six seal will be opened. At this point, the Antichrist will enter the temple in Jerusalem. He'll sit on the temple's throne and he'll declare himself to be God. So this Antichrist who brought peace to Israel will now go and say, I'm going to break the treaty that I made with Israel because I'm God. And he'll make statues and people will expect people to worship him. And that's a a, a Jewish issue for us right now because we're going to be gone or we're going to be martyred. Amen. So encouraging today. I really appreciate you guys. It gets worse. This is nothing. So he breaks a treaty with Israel and at this moment. And when he does that, this angers God. And this is what's called the abomination of desolation, which Daniel spoke of the, the, the prophet. This is the moment where God gets angry. God's not angry yet. Now he's angry because Antichrist said he's God. And the seventh seal opens and it says this in Revelation 8.1. When the lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Now, let me just make a statement real quick, because everyone uses this passage of scripture and throws in what they think, why heaven is silent for half an hour. And so they come up with all these things. Well, heaven is silent for half an hour because all the angels left heaven. doesn't say that. It's silenced in heaven because of... I, I listen to all sorts of random stuff. I'm not even going to share because it it's stupid. Read your Bibles, people. What happens next gives you insight to why it got silent in heaven. My wife and I got into a car accident in 2003, I think it was. I just slobbered all over the place. <laughs> 2003. And she had this issue. She kind of still has it now, but... When we get into a position to where it seems like we're going to get into a car accident, she won't say a word. She'll just reach up and grab the handle. The sign that I'm in the wrong place is she reaches up and grabs the handle. She doesn't scream. She doesn't cry. She doesn't say a word. She just goes, hang on. We're going to die. That's what's happening in heaven. What's about to happen is so bad So horrible, so horrendous that even the angels in heaven have nothing to say. It's so bad. Whatever's coming is so horrible, so terrible, so terrifying that they can't say a word. Three and a half years in great tribulation begins because God's now, now God's angry. We're going to enter into the great tribulation. Seven trumpet judgments came to the earth in three and a half years. Fourteen judgments are coming in the next three and a half. Seven come in three and a half. That would be bad enough. What I talked about in the seven, that's bad. One quarter of the earth is dead. Martyrs are, Christians are getting martyred all over the place. So what comes next is the trumpet judgments three and a half years into this. And I'm just going to, I'm not, I'm not going to read all the passages because there's a lot. Just the eighth total judgment, but the number one bold judgment, I'm not bold judgment, trumpet judgment. One third of vegetation on the earth will be destroyed one-third of vegetation on the earth will be destroyed. Trumpet will blow, one-third of the vegetation is destroyed. The ninth judgment and the second trumpet judgment, one-third of ocean creatures will die. One-third of all the creatures in the ocean will die. The tenth judgment total... The number three trumpet judgment, one third of all fresh water will be destroyed. A star will, it said the star will hit the, hit the earth and it'll make fresh water bitter. One third of all fresh water will be destroyed. You know, one of the things I think about all the time is how blessed we are in Clatsop County because it rains so much that we have fresh water. Could you imagine not having fresh water to drink? The 11th judgment and the number four trumpet judgment, the Bible said, now this is all in three and a half years. So I don't know how long this part's going to take. I, 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 From what I read, it's about two years is what I think happens. In two years, you got one third of vegetation destroyed. One third of ocean creatures will die. One third of fresh water destroyed. One third of all light on the earth will be reduced, increasing darkness. Now, one of the problems people have with living in Clatsop County is it's dark and it's depressing. Could you imagine if that's what life was going to be like? Every day was like a cloudy, cruddy Clatsop County day. The sun is not going to shine. One-third of vegetation, one-third of ocean creatures, one-third of fresh water, one-third of light on the earth will all be taken from us. And here's the woe. When God says there's a woe, when God himself says, woe, when God says, woe, you pay attention. Let me read this. This is a lot. Revelation 9, one. The fifth angel blew his trumpet and I saw a star falling from heaven to earth and it was given a key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. Stop. There's gonna be war in heaven. Satan's gonna be cast out. He is the star. It's cast. He'll be cast out of heaven. He'll no longer be able to go to God and say, what about Pat? What about Kaylee? What about Steph? What about Carrie? What about that pastor Andy? He's pretty messed up. There'll be no more entering heaven for him. He'll be down here. He'll actually be spending his time here. And he opened the shaft of the bottomless pit and from the shaft rose smoke and smoke from a great, as like the smoke from a great furnace and the sun and the air were darkened and the smoke from the shaft. Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth. And this is giving you a picture of just kind of an image of what it looks like. Um, locusts on the earth and they were given power like the power of scorpions of the earth. And they were told not to harm the grass of the field or the, the plant of the tree, but only those people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. So this judgment does not impact believers directly. Only non-believers. And they were allowed to torment them for five months. So for five months, these demons will be released on the earth. They will not mess with the Christian, but they will mess with those who don't believe in Christ. And the Bible says, and in those days, people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. they will try to kill themselves and won't be able to. It's going to be so horrible, these demonic influences in their lives, that they'll want to die and won't be able to. Try to commit suicide and fail. Could you imagine life being so bad that you try to commit suicide and you fail at it every time and it doesn't get better? Let me read on. In appearance, locusts were like horses prepared for battle and their heads were what looked like crowns of gold and their faces had human faces, their hair like women's hair and their teeth like lion's teeth. We, we could go into the details of that, but you're just going to get it all muddied up. They had breastplates of like breastplates of iron and the noise of their wings are like the noise of many chariots and horses rushing into battle. They have tails and sting like scorpions and they have power to hurt people for five months in their tails. They have a king over them, which is an angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon. In Greek, he's called Apollon and that's Satan. And the first woe is passed and there's two more to come. So this isn't bad enough. There's going to be two more that are going to be more Horrible than the first one. That's the fifth trumpet. That's the 12th out of 21. That's only 12, number 12. The sixth trumpet, one third of mankind will be killed. So the four angels that have been prepared for the hour of the day and the year were released to kill a third of mankind. not accounting for children being born on the earth, but if death and hell and the fourth seal take 1.8 billion, that leaves 5 billion, meaning one third leaves takes away about 1.7 billion more people. We will go from 8 billion people on this planet in, in, in less than seven years. We'll go from 8 billion to 3 billion. 3 billion people are going to die. The rest of mankind, go to verse um, 20, please. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, nor did they give up worshiping demons and the idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see, hear, or walk, nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. I hear this said by Christians all the time. When this person's life gets so bad, they'll come to know Christ. Uh -uh. I've listened to that my whole pastoral ministry and seen that that is so rare that somebody screws their life up so bad they come to know Christ. Most of the time, that just makes you matter at God. And that's what's going to happen. No matter how bad it gets, no matter how horrible it gets, most of the world is not going to repent of their sin. seventh trumpet judgment results in an announcement that Jesus is coming back. That's number 14. So at the 14th judgment in the second half of the three and a half years, that's about two years, two, two years that all this seven trumpet judgments happened. We've got a year and a half left. And so God pronounces Jesus is coming back. Go to verse 17. Wave at me when you get there. Got it? I'm just going to read it. Saying, we give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty. This is an angel who says, we give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was. For you have taken your great power and began to reign. The nations raged, but your wrath came. And the time of the deed... to And the time for the dead to be judged in the rewarding of your servants, the prophets and the saints and those who fear your name, both small and great and for destroying the destroyers of the earth. The 24 elders say you are worthy to do this because man will not repent of their sin. You are just God. You are holy. You are righteous. You are right in this because men refuse to repent of their sin. Now again, remember, this is only part of the three and a half years and what's coming next will happen so fast and will be so painful that it's shocking. Are you guys okay? They're called the bold judgments because they're poured out from heaven. The first one will result in painful sores. So the first angel poured out the bowl on the earth and harmful and painful sores came upon the people who bore the mark of the beast and worshiped its image. So this only affects those who are non-believers. Now, if you're a non-believer and you've got sores and believers don't have sores, that means you're angry at the believers who don't have sores. Why don't they get sores? Because they trusted in Christ as their savior. Why do I have sores? Because you won't trust Christ as your savior. He can't do that to me. Yes, he can. Well, I'm going to kill the Christian for being that way. Where do you think the martyrdom is going to come from? They're just going to get more angry and angry and angry because God's taking care of his people. Number two, the 16th judgment, and number two of the bold judgments, all seawater all sea is going to turn to blood. And everything that was in the sea dies. All sea creatures in this judgment die. Number 17th judgment in seven years and then number three in the last year and a half, all flesh water, fresh water will be turned to blood. The angel, third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of the water and they became blood and heard an angel of the waters say, just are you a holy one who is and who was for you brought these judgments for they have shed blood of the saints and the prophets and you have given them blood to drink for that's what they deserve. And I heard from the altar saying, yes, Lord God Almighty, true and just are your judgments. You're not going to be able to deny that God's still holy and right for doing what he's doing. Number 18th judgment, I know you're getting tired. This this is why I wrestled all week. Number 18th judgment, the number four bowl judgment, scorching heat will will burn the earth. And the end of this, it says they were scorched with fierce heat and they cursed the name of God who had power over these plagues and they did not repent and give him glory. So he's going to, he's going to literally scorch the earth and scorch people with fire. And they're still not going to repent. They're still not going to trust God. They're still not going to give their lives to God. They're going to suffer and be angry at God. Number 19, darkness will result in pain. The fifth angel poured out his bowl and the throne of the beast and his kingdom. I want to stop. I really do, but I can't. It's not what I'm called to do. The kingdom was plunged into darkness and people nodded their tongues in anguish and cursed the God of heaven for their pain and their sores. And they did not repent of their deeds. The earth is going to suffer so greatly and people are going to suffer so greatly, but they still won't repent and call upon God. The Euphrates, the Euphrates River will dry up, which leaves Israel vulnerable. And I'm just going to read verse 15. Behold, I'm coming like a thief, Jesus said. Blessed is the one that stays awake, keeping his garments on, so they, they may go, not go about naked and be exposed. And they assembled at the place in the Hebrew called Armageddon. So Armageddon's going to happen. We're at the tail end of the seven-year tribulation period. That's the sixth bowl judgment. And there's one more left. You ever have one of those days where things go bad and they just progressively get worse? This is what this is teaching. The 21st judgment and the number seven bowl judgment, earthquakes and hail will pummel the earth. The hail will be a hundred pound hail. Earthquakes are going to happen like never happened. The worst earthquakes ever. In verse 23, and the hailstones, about 100 pounds each, fell from heaven on people, and they cursed God for the plague of the hail, because the plague was so severe. You're not stopping a hundred pound hailstone from going through your roof of your car, your truck, even if it's a Chevy. (laughs) I'd be selling my Fords right now. (laughs) This is all going to happen. Well, I don't believe it's going to happen. Whether you believe it's going to happen or not doesn't stop God from doing what God said was going to happen. It's going to happen, and it's going to happen exactly the way he said it was going to happen. Jesus Christ will then return to the earth, rule and reign for a thousand years. Satan will be cast into the pit of, uh, in the bottomless pit for a thousand years. He'll release him. He'll come back up, and it will reveal who's actually following Jesus in the thousand-year millennial kingdom, and who's not. And they estimate about a third of the people that are left on the planet with Jesus ruling and reign for that 1000 years are going to re- re- rebel against God and God's going to destroy them all with just the the words of his mouth Jesus will destroy them and then the cool parts of heaven start for us this will be all done and you will either spend eternity with God in heaven because Jesus Christ is your savior or you'll spend eternity in the lake of fire I don't like that I don't either The second coming of Christ, beginning of the millennial kingdom, there's 1500, references in the Old Testament, and one in every 25 verses in the New Testament talks about Jesus coming back. And there's a lot I left out. Is that not enough to make you repent? To wrap your mind about what's gonna happen in that seven years, Matthew chapter 24, verse 21 says, then there will be great tribulation such as not been seen from the beginning of the world and now, and, and until now, no, and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved, but for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. If it wasn't for God's love for us, he would just wipe everybody out. Everybody who refuses to accept him as Lord and Savior. Which is why I started with, oh Lord, I've heard the report of you. And your work, O oh Lord, do I fear. This scares me. If you're a parent and you have a child, if this if the Lord tarries for 10 years and your child becomes at a place where they can, they are responsible for the spiritual choices that they make. They can either choose to accept Christ or reject Christ. And if they reject Christ, they're going to experience this. Some of you have grandchildren. Your grandchildren, if they don't know Christ as their Savior, they're going to experience this. Well, I don't want to think about that. I know that's why we don't talk about it a lot. We want to talk about joy, joy, happy, happy. You want me to preach messages on how God's going to bless you all with this and that? And God's already blessed you with Jesus Christ. But for many of you, it's not enough. If you heard the report of God and what's going to happen in the end times, especially that seven-year period, you should be begging in wrath, remember mercy. I wept all week in wrath, remember mercy. Be merciful to these people. Have mercy, Jesus. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6, 1 and 2, working together with him, speaking of Jesus, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he said, in a favorable time, I listened to you. And in the day of salvation, I've helped you, speaking of Jesus. Behold, now is a favorable time. And today, now is the day of salvation. This is the easiest moment in time for you to repent of your sins and trust Christ as your savior. And you don't got to worry about that seven year period because you will be In heaven with him. But are you willing to let others go? If you know the report of him and it scares you. Part of remembering mercy is sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with those who have never received it. He has the day of of our salvation, but the opportunity will not last forever. The opportunity, see, because some of these people are gonna go through the tribulation period and they're just gonna get more angry and more angry and more angry at Jesus instead of receiving him the way they could today by faith in Christ. They're just gonna get more angry and more angry and angry. And God warned them, this is what's gonna happen. And some of you might be angry at God because God's going to do that. God's a just God. And he's righteous God. And he's responsible to keep his word that he's holy. And deal with sin that is not. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9. And we read verse 9 all the time. But we don't read verse 10. But I want to read 10 because it'll help you. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. Some men count slowness, but is patient towards you, not willing, that, wishing that any should perish, but it all should come to repentance. Jesus, Jesus wants all to come to repentance. Jesus wants every man, woman, and child on this planet saved from the wrath to come. So he doesn't want any of you to go through this seven-year period. He doesn't want your family to go through it. He doesn't want your children to go through it. He doesn't want your grandkids to go through it. That's why we're preaching Jesus today. To save you from the wrath to come. But it goes on and says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief and then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and its works that are done on it will be exposed. He's going to come. He's going to come soon. Rapture's going to happen we're going to go. I'm out. I'm not going to be able to preach the gospel to you anymore. I'm not going to be able to provoke you unto repentance you're going to have to watch old videos of me which is horrible and some of you might say well this is Pastor Randy he's just a negative preacher how mad would you be at me if I knew for a fact that tomorrow you were going to lose your life and I didn't say something to you today If I knew today that you were going to lose your life tomorrow. If I didn't warn you of the wrath to come. Oh, you're just trying to discourage us and and scare us. Yes. (laughs) I don't want anyone to go through that seven year period. Lake of fire and hell is bad enough. But to suffer on the earth because you would not trust Christ as your savior, what a shame. What you don't understand is we're in the church age where God's trying to save us from the wrath to come. You might say people have been scared by that story for centuries, yep. But I look at what's happening in our world and I look at what's happening in Israel and I say to myself, He's coming soon. Jesus said you can discern the the seasons, the signs of the times by the seasons and by the sky, but you can't seem to get that he's coming back. Red sky in the morning, what's, what's it say? Sailors take warning. It's true, isn't it? Red sky at night, you know that. Jesus says you can discern the signs of the times, but you you can discern the skies, but you can't discern the signs of the times. Look at the world. Is it getting better? Is it not getting worse? Is Israel becoming more loved by the world or more hated by the world? Even in America, I have never seen America hate Israel. There's so much hatred towards Israel right now. I was watching the news yesterday and seeing how they are trying to, The enemies of Israel, they're trying to elevate to to these amazing people. And Hamas is known for violence. That's their, their word in the Hebrew. Hamas means violence. They're violent people. But we're trying to portray them as these kind people. They're not. You can get mad at me if you want, but you're going to find out that's true. We are at the end. And the only hope for your salvation is Jesus Christ. And I've been begging God all week that in his wrath, remember mercy. In your wrath, remember mercy. Please, God, please. In your wrath, remember mercy. Have mercy on them today that they would trust Christ as their savior. Maybe today's the day of their salvation. Well, I'll wait until that happens. The chance of you getting saved after the rapture gets really slim because the Bible teaches over and over again. They just got more mad, more mad, and more mad at God. You're not going to admit that what I preached is true. You're going to admit that you didn't like what I preached. You're just going to get more mad. God has a right to be angry because men, no matter what he offers them, still reject him. I should have. No. Let's stand, please. if you know Christ is your savior if you've called upon him and he's come into your heart and the Holy Spirit has cleansed you of your sin and you know that you're born again who are you willing to leave behind who are you willing to say well you know what maybe they'll the 144,000 will reach them I hope so but are you going to In a time when it's the easiest to share the gospel, why wouldn't you today go share the gospel with your family, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors? Why would you, knowing what you know that's going to happen, why would you allow it to happen without saying something? Say something. Well, Pastor Randy, I don't know how to say it as eloquently as you. You've been around me long enough. You know, I, nothing I say is eloquent. I would rather sp- sp- spit out words in my stupidity than that you under- Jesus, understand that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation than to say nothing. If somebody's heading for a crash... You don't stop and say, well, I got to have just the right words. Do you know what works? Stop. I lived on a street on the Lewis and Clark road and Lucent and Clark road is really fast. And my kids um, would run towards the road when they were little. They would run towards the, the highway and I would scream as loud as I could. And people said, why are you yelling at your kids that way? Because I want them to stop. I couldn't imagine losing a child on that stupid road. And me just sitting there watching it saying nothing and say, well, guess they'll learn next time. You're a Christian. Who do you need to come pray for today? That your friend would open their hearts up to him. If you know you're not a Christian, and please don't play a game with me. You know you have no passion for church. You know you have no passion for Jesus. You know you don't pray. You know you don't care about the word of God. You're at church because your wife brought you, your husband brought you, your kid brought you. You had nothing else to do on a Sunday morning but sitting here with me, letting me yell at you. But you know you have no desire for the things of God. There's gonna come a point in time where you're gonna need God. Why don't you make today the day of your salvation? Why don't you make today that day? So that you can guarantee that you're saved from the wrath to come, that you won't have to experience that seven years of horror. Let's pray. Father, Father, I don't know what else to say, Lord. These are good people. They're not bad people. They're not horrible people. But there's some in this room that might not know Christ as their Savior. And I couldn't stand it if today they didn't at least be moved to have a conversation with me about Jesus Christ. I don't care about the business meeting. I don't care about the business of the church. I care about the gospel of Jesus Christ and how it saves people from the wrath to come. I don't care about the issues that are stupid that people talk about. I care that people are going to be separated from God for eternity in a place called hell because they never trusted Christ as their Savior. Father, you tell the person that knows they're not saved to come have a conversation. And you tell the Christian, it's time to get serious about the future. It's time for them to stop sitting on the sidelines and start serving in the church. It's time to stop stealing the tithe and start supporting the ministry that will reach people with the gospel. It's time to volunteer our own time to serve people that they may hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't have time, Father, to keep playing this Christian game. Because this is going to happen and people will go through it. And they won't be raptured. And they may come to know Christ, but they'll have to suffer and be martyred for it. Father, please move our hearts. With heads bowed and eyes closed, please. If you are a Christian today. How many of you would be honest today and say, "Pastor, I haven't been concerned about the future like I should be. Pray for me." Please raise your hands. Head bowed, eyes closed. I haven't been concerned about the future as so I should be. It's time. Heads bowed, eyes closed. How many of you Christians in the room? You know there's people in your family that don't know Christ, but you've said nothing. Be honest with me. You've said nothing. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I need to say something. Amen. Amen. Father, give them the words that they don't even have themselves. Holy Spirit, speak through them. Words of salvation and hope. They may save their family from the wrath of God. Heads bowed, eyes are closed. One more. Christian, you know you should be serving more, but you've become selfish. I want you to come and present yourself to Jesus at this altar. Come on, heads bowed, eyes closed. You've been selfish. Come on. Come on. You put your things before, your life before, yourself before the cause of Christ. Today's not just the day of salvation. We'll talk about that in a minute. Today's the day of repentance. If you know this is the future, it should change the way you live. If you know that this is the future of the world, what's going to happen, it's a promise from God. It's going to happen. How could you live with yourselves allowing people to go there? How could you not say something? How could you not sacrifice your time and your talents and your treasures for the kingdom things? Because the only thing that's going to save man from this wrath of God is Jesus Christ. And his name needs to be glorified and praised and honored and spoken of throughout the world. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. We sing a song, I surrender all. I think that's what Jesus is looking for right now. That's what he's looking for right now. Are you willing to surrender all today, Christian? Are you willing, Christian? Come on. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Are you willing to surrender all? If you know what's going to happen, I know some of you are thinking, "I got to get to my kids." you need to share the gospel with your kids. Dad's Christmas Eve, you need to share the gospel. The hymn says, All to Jesus I surrender All to Him I freely give I will ever love and trust Him in his presence daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. all to Jesus I surrender. Humbly at his feet I bow. Worldly pleasures all forsaken. Take me, Jesus, take me now. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender. Lord, I give myself to thee. Fill me with thy love and power, let thy blessing fall on me, let thy blessing fall on me. I surrender all, I surrender all, all to thee my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Heads bowed, eyes closed, I know I'm taking a long time. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, you are absolutely positively sure that you have never made Christ your Savior, but you want to know Him. Nobody's looking around but me. Would you just do me a favor, raise your hand, and say, I need to know Christ as my Savior. Is there anyone? Amen. What I want you to do is I want you to come up to me afterwards, and we're going to have a conversation about Jesus. Because I want you to be confident that whatever comes in the future you will be with Christ. Amen. Gracious Heavenly Father, what I've gone through this week for for you has been worth it. And Father, next week we've got more to talk about in the end times, but it'll be much more, I think, encouraging. but if there's anyone in this room, Father, that does not know Christ and they're scared of the future, we want to make them feel safe. Being saved from the wrath to come through the Savior, In his name is Jesus Christ. Encourage our hearts today, Lord God. We love you. Be with our kids. Let us be an example to them that we may help them understand who Christ is, that they Will not, they will trust Christ themselves because of our faith. Let not one of our children fall through the cracks of religion and relationship with Jesus and let them come to truly know who Christ is as their Savior because of our faith in Christ. Let our family know, let our friends know, let our neighbors know, let our coworkers know, let strangers in the grocery store know that Jesus Christ loves them. And wants to save them from the wrath to come. And they just need to know who Jesus is. Father, I pray for Wednesday nights this month. Because my hope is that we help parents deal with spirits. That are destroying the spirit of God in their homes. That their homes could be safe places for the spirit of God to dwell. And that the kids may know Christ through that. Be with us Wednesday. Be with us Thursday. Be with us throughout the week. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Come on, give Jesus just, just tell him. And Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Y'all. Are-